G'day, and welcome to Stick Together, bringing you union news, worker stories, and discussion on social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Matt Kunkel. On the show this week, we'll bring you the story of the nation's early childhood educators, who last week staged the largest strike in the sector's history. More than 3,000 educators walked off the job last Thursday, shutting down more than 100 centres across the nation. We'll take you to one of the rallies and speak with the union's Assistant National Secretary about what's at stake. But first, some union news. Well, the Turnbull government is at it again. Last week, the Fair Work Amendment Protecting Vulnerable Workers Bill was passed through the Senate. While the bill was meant to help crack down on the illegal wage theft revealed at franchises like 7-Eleven, the government just couldn't help itself, burying several anti-worker measures deep in the bill. The bill expands the liability for wage theft at franchises up the corporate chain, but Labor and the Greens unsuccessfully tried to strengthen the bill, saying that it didn't go far enough. Former Turnbull Government Minister Bruce Bilson, who is now the head of the Franchise Laws Association, successfully watered down the bill in just another example of the government working hand-in-glove with business to drive down wages and look the other way on the worst workplace abuses. Heavy lobbying by unions saw crossbench Senators Hinch, Lambie and the Xenophon team join Labor and the Greens to defeat the worst of the anti-worker measures in the bill. The bill originally removed the right of silence for all workers in instances of unprotected industrial action, a move designed to snuff union members' ability to take necessary action in defence of their rights. Workers who refused to give evidence on their workmates would have faced crippling fines of $126,000. It would have also increased the financial penalties for unions when such action is taken to $10 million, which is a very naked attempt to bankrupt militant trade unions, fining them into non-existence. While these measures have been defeated for now, the Turnbull government continues to lash out at unions with measures designed to make it impossible for them to organise and fight back against workplace abuse. Hiding these measures in the Orwellian-named Protecting Vulnerable Workers Bill demonstrates that there is no mandate and no wide support for such attacks, and that the Turnbull government will stoop to any level to continue its ideological campaign. Unions in Queensland are celebrating a landmark victory, as the Queensland Labor government has passed the nation's first licensing system for labor hire companies. Key features of the new mandatory licensing regime include a fit and proper person test before labor hires are issued a license, regular reporting by licensed labor hire operators, strong penalties for any breach of obligations, and a compliance unit also providing an awareness, monitoring, and enforcement function. These changes come after years of campaigning by unions, wage theft, and other industrial abuses are widespread in the labour hire industry. Seeing a chance to further increase profits at the expense of workers, employers across all sectors have rapidly shifted employment away from secure, permanent jobs to precarious, outsourced and cheaply paid casual employment. Queensland Council of Unions General Secretary Ros McLennan said regulating the labour hire industry was necessary to stamp out those rogue operators engaging in massive wage theft from vulnerable workers. Similar licensing schemes are being considered in both South Australia and Victoria after parliamentary inquiries in those states recommended taking action to clean up the abuses by labour hire employers. The licensing scheme in Queensland is set to commence in 2018. The dispute at Streets continues, with the company telling the AMWU this week that it has no intention of negotiating a new enterprise agreement for its ice cream factory in Minto, New South Wales. It has informed the union that it intends to press ahead with its application to terminate the enterprise agreement. 
If successful, the workers' pay would be cut by 46% overnight, leaving them with nothing but the bare minimum wages and conditions contained in the award. This news comes on the back of Murdoch University's successful termination of its agreement. There is no better example of the rules being broken than cases like these. Decades of workers' struggle and sacrifice being thrown away with the swipe of a commissioner's pen. Clearly ashamed of its underhanded behaviour, Streets Ice Cream has reportedly enforced a gag order against its employees, preventing them from making public comment about the dispute. But you can find out more about the dispute at amwu.org.au forward slash streets. Around 60 child protection officers in Tasmania walked off the job last week, urging the Tasmanian Liberal government to provide adequate funding and increased staffing. Members of the Community and Public Sector Union, the CPSU, were joined by comrades from the Health and Community Services Union, HACSU, and marched off the job after protracted EBA negotiations were going nowhere. The CPSU reveals that further pressure is being placed on the system with more than 30 vacant positions not being filled by the Tasmanian government. Here's Rob, one of the workers, speaking out at the stop work. It's been 10 years since this has happened, 10 years plus I think, and I don't think I've ever seen so many, so many of us all come together just to support to support the children that we're, we're, we're trying to service. It's a very difficult job we do. Uh, we all come to work every day passionate and committed to change the lives of children, young people and their families and it's just devastating when you can't do that, when you don't have the resources you need or you, you have to walk out and make a choice as to who, who, gets, that, who gets that support or who gets that service. It's hard to determine what's more important than the other because they're all different and everyone you walk away from is, is someone you're letting down, someone who's not going to get what they need and someone who could be at risk because we don't have the staff that we need and we don't have the resources, we don't have the technologies, we don't have everything we need to be able to do the jobs we do. That's why today is so important because we really have to make, make a stand to the Hodgman government. We really need to make a stand that we, we can't do what we need to do. Last week marked Pay Inequality Day, which represents the additional numbers of days which women workers need to work since 30th of June just to catch up to their male counterparts' earnings in the last financial year. The gender pay gap is a persistent problem, with women workers earning 15.3% less than male average earnings. Here's lead women's organiser from the Victorian Trade Hall Council, Lisa Heap. Left to their own devices, organisations, CEOs, managers don't fix this problem. We need to... We need to push them to fix it and that's why we're taking things like industrial action over this issue. And that's why we're also calling for government intervention um, to force organisations to do pay audits, to make them um, look at things like sharing information about wages and remuneration in their organisation so that everyone can work out what everyone is getting paid and can work out where the gaps actually are. The VTHC has launched a new campaign against the gender wage gap called Ripped Off. You can find out more at www.unionwomen.org.au forward slash ripped off. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Early childhood educators hold one of the most important jobs in the country. Not only do they provide high-quality care for the nation's children, but if it weren't for them, millions of workers who rely on long daycare, doctors, nurses, brickies, office workers, workers from every industry, would be forced to find alternative arrangements or stay home from work. Yet the pay for these highly trained educators remains very low, as little as $21 an hour. 
For years, educators, who are members of United Voice, have been campaigning for professional recognition and equal pay. Tired of asking nicely, they're taking the fight for equal pay to the streets, with more than 3,000 educators stopping work last Thursday and staging rallies and marches in major centres around the country. We were at the Melbourne rally where hundreds of educators marched from the State Library and rallied at the Trades Hall. for over 10 years. Is this, Amanda, is this the first time you've ever been on strike? For me personally, yes, it's the first time I've attended one. And what did it feel like to take strike action? Oh, it's exhilarating. I am buzzing at the moment. I feel really naturally just high and motivated for change, positivity, community, looking after people, being together, working together. Um, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, it's going to last for a few days, except and my voice won't though. I'm Erin Darmanin and I've been educated for 18 years. Um, I'm Susan Gosden, I've been in the industry for nine years. I'm Stephanie Reinhardt and I've been an educator for six years. And why are you on strike today? For better pay. You're very highly skilled professionals, but are paid very low pay. Why do you think that is? I don't know. We're undervalued because early childhood's never been recognised as a professional industry. Um, even when the changes came in where everybody had to have a qualification, nothing changed. We do as much study, if not more, with uh, professional development and, you know, things like that. And it's just unfair. What do you say to the people that say early educators are just babysitters? Oh, I think that's absolute nonsense because um, we have to have so many skills. We look after children with anaphylaxis. We have, um, yeah, we, we do first aid courses. We continuously do, um, I think we've done about five courses this year alone, um, just to keep up with education and making sure that we're up and up with everything. And it's, you know, we are highly skilled and we deserve, yeah, we really, and we do a great job looking after these kids who are, you know, who, who really need nurturing and um, on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. And if you had a message for Malcolm Turnbull, what would it be? I'd say, bloody put up our wages and let us earn a decent living so we can support ourselves and not have to worry about, um, yeah, you know, struggling uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And value the future. This is United Voice Victorian Secretary Jess Walsh addressing the crowd. So today thousands of early educators have walked off the job around Australia and we are just warming up because we are done asking nicely for equal pay, aren't we? Yeah. Now we care for and educate the future of the country but for all the important work that we do we are paid half the average wage or less. Other professionals with similar qualifications get paid about a third more than we do. Now we are qualified, we are committed, we are professional, we are dedicated. Is it right that we are paid a third less? No. So, United Voice, early educators, are we going to stand for it anymore? No. Are we going to take it? No. Are we going to stand up? job and that's why thousands of educators around the country have walked off the job with us today. 
They are standing up and they are speaking out at rallies like this one here at the Trades Hall in Victoria. We've even walked, walked off in Mildura and the Mildura members are not with us because what they're doing right now is they are currently nicely visiting their local member of parliament and demanding equal pay in Mildura. Now we have been building up to this huge action for a long time. The first walk-off started with six centres here in Victoria. We led the way and those educators inspired the rest of the country to jump on board earlier this year. The second walk-off shut down over 30 centres, not just in Victoria, but around the country. But today, we are national, we are huge. Over 100 centres are shut down right now with 3,000 educators walking off the job and on the street. Our message is simple and it is equal pay right now. Equal pay. 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 Right now. All right, now no one, no one in Australia thinks it's okay that early educators get paid $21 an hour anymore. Everyone knows that early educators deserve to be paid more. Everyone. And a responsible government would have fixed this by now. A responsible government would have made sure that early educators are recognised and respected. So, if the Prime Minister refuses to agree to our demands for equal pay, right now, we need to think about what we're going to do. Are we going to just walk away and stop our campaign if he doesn't agree? Rain won't make us walk away. Is the Prime Minister refusing equal pay going to make us walk away? No. So, are we going to just stop our campaign if he says no? no. Are we ever going to give up on our demands for equal pay? No. What we are going to do if he says no is we are going to get bigger. We are going to get stronger. We are going to get louder. We are going to get prouder in the actions that we are willing to take. And United Voice Early Educators, if we have to, if this is what it's going to take, we will shut the whole sector down. Jane, I've been an educator for 34 years. So Jane, in 34 years, you would have seen a fair bit in the, in the sector. Why now? Why, why are educators standing up now? I think the time's right. I think that um, traditionally the sector was viewed as childcare, it was viewed as babysitting. And I think now it's, it is, we are professionals, we are viewed as professionals and we are expected to be professionals. We, we have, um, with the frameworks, we have a curriculum now. The, the uh, documentation we're expected to do is at a professional standard. So yeah, so we are professionals and so we deserve to be paid as professionals.
why do you think the pay is so low in your sector? Um, traditionally, we are a, a female occupation, which, which was viewed as childcare and babysitting, as I said before. So with the added expectations of, you know, with curriculum documentation, qualifications, all the rest of it, the time is right to step up and the time's right to start demanding those professional wages. A motion was passed by acclamation that there'll be another big strike next year. Will you, will you keep turning up? Will you keep going on strike for equal pay? This is um, the third strike I've personally attended and I've personally walked out. This is the third time. Um, there is no way that I will not be there for the next strike. I will be there. Our centre will be there. Our, our parents, we have 100% support from our families. We, we had cakes sent to our centre today from families. And the comments that they were making to the educators of congratulations for standing up and support. And, um, you know, we, we were thanking our families for coming at three o'clock to support us. And they were like, you guys go for it. You guys deserve this. We see how hard you work. We see the amazing work you do. It's time, stand up. I'm Narelle Lawton, I'm Director of Dawson Street and I've been the educator for 22 years. This is not the first time that Dawson Street's gone on strike. Why are the educators at Dawson Street going on strike? Uh, because we demand equal pay. We, we are worth more than what we are getting and I hold a Bachelor of Education, same as my primary and secondary counterparts, yet I get paid 50% less than them and why. The youngest children of our generation are the most important and they, the foundation of their learning is so important. What are your thoughts on how the fight's coming along so far? I think it's excellent. As, as you said, we're, this is our third strike and the numbers have just tripled, quadrupled and we just can't wait to keep pushing and keep, keep fighting and we will win this. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together, brought to you right across the nation on the Community Radio Network. This week, we're bringing you the story of Australia's biggest ever strike in the early education sector. Joining us now by phone is Helen Gibbons, who is the National Assistant Secretary of United Voice. Thanks for joining us, Helen. No worries. Um, Helen, what happened last Thursday has been described as the biggest strike of early childhood educators in the sector's history. Can you tell us about how it came about? Early childhood educators uh, have been campaigning for wage justice. They have been talking for many years about how undervalued and underpaid they are and have been getting increasingly frustrated and increasingly angry that this government has failed to act. And what we saw last Thursday was the biggest walk-off in Australian history where they closed the doors in their centres, walked off the job and met at rallies and community events and town hall meetings all across the country to talk about what's next and how they're going to get this government to listen. And can you tell us a little bit more about how the actions unfolded across the country? So educators had worked really closely with parents and employers on this. You can't uh, close up shop and leave children unlooked uh, after, like, you know, uh, the protection issues and safety issues. And, of course, you know, educators would just never do that to families and children. So they'd been working for many weeks with families and um, the employers about how to make this happen and have org had organised for the parents to collect their children early so that they were able to shut the doors at 3.20 in the afternoon and walk off the job. And it's just huge. This has grown from an action that happened on International Women's Day in March, where it's the first national action. It's three times as big this time round on last Thursday. Um, this is only going to get bigger. These women are getting more and more um, militant and more 
much stronger in what they're calling for and much more determined about how they're going to go about it. And why was 3.20 the time that the educators took action? 3.20 is really symbolic and it's symbolic of the time that uh, women in Australia effectively start working for free to demonstrate in, in relation to the gender pay gap. Uh, and it seemed like an appropriate time in relation to this story because this story is a story of the undervaluation of women and the undervaluation of women's work. What are the educators demanding? Well, educators are qualified and experienced and have been working in the sector for many years with enormous responsibility, and yet they can be paid as little as $21 an hour, which I think everybody in the community recognises is just ridiculous. And they are demanding that the government takes seriously their work and values their work appropriately. $21 an hour seems quite low for the work they do. Why are the wages in the sector so low? It's because it's historically been seen as women's work, and it still is 97% of the people who work in the sector are women. But historically, it's been seen as women's work, the care and education of young children. It's undervalued when it's performed in the home, and it's undervalued when it's performed outside of the home. So there's this legacy issue of the undervaluation of the work that happens in early education and care, and it's carried forward to the demonstration of that, which is $21 an hour. A few years ago, we saw the ASU win a landmark equal remuneration case, which led to very large pay increases for the largely female social services sector. Is United Voice pursuing a similar avenue? We've lodged a case with the Fair Work Commission, which is essentially an equal pay case. But we lodged it four years ago and we haven't even started hearing evidence. We're still at the point where we're having really technical arguments about how the case should proceed. And in the meantime, you know, the young children that attend childcare have grown up and gone to school. The educators that can no longer afford to work in the sector have left and everybody is continuing to be paid appalling rates. And what's so frustrating about that is that the government could fix this tomorrow the government could say, could recognise that these people are undervalued and recognise that the, the reason they're staying undervalued and paid so low is because the funding of the sector is set up to take advantage of women being paid $21 an hour. With pay so low in the sector already, what's actually driving the high cost of childcare? Where's all the money going, the, the money from both fees and the government rebates? There's an awful lot of money involved in the sector and uh, the... The government already pays a significant amount towards uh, subsidies and rebates and all sorts of other complicated arrangements around funding. And, of course, parents pay substantial fees as well, and it's a significant part of the family budget. But it's a really expensive business to run. It's not like bundling 25 babies into a classroom with one teacher and hoping for the best. You know, there are very small staff-to-child ratios. There are really significant costs associated with the provision of food, the provision of nappies, of cleaning of services. There's very long hours that the centres operate for. Often the centres will run from six till six, so you have to staff at good ratios the whole time. So this is an expensive organisation to run. It costs a significant amount of money, especially when you're doing it to really high standards. With many parents already feeling the pinch with the high cost of childcare, will increasing educators' pay lead to further increases in the prices? This campaign is all about getting the government to fund it. The, the campaign really clearly recognises that parents are already feeling, feeling the pinch. It is expensive to children, send your children to childcare, uh, especially when you've got more than one. Uh, it already chews up huge parts of people's wages in the family. 
So this is about getting the federal government to fund this sector properly. Children are important in our community, whether they're two, three, four, or at school. The funding at the moment relies on the people working in the sector being willing to accept $21 an hour. And the way to fix the $21 an hour is to improve the funding into the sector. And early childhood educators have an, an immense amount of unrealised industrial power, don't they? If, if early educators aren't at work, it also means that doctors, nurses, garbage collectors, pretty much everyone with kids can't go to work because they have to look after their children. Well, that's right. I think that early educators are starting to feel that power. They're starting to recognise that when they stop, the nation stops because so many children attend long day care and so many families rely on long day care in order to be able to go to work. We saw a small taste of that uh, last Thursday with educators walking off the job all over the country. Over 10,000 parents had to make other arrangements for the afternoon. Educators have been talking about what's next and I would be very surprised if there is not a significant amplification of the work that they're doing to get this government to listen. Educators all across the country moved a motion saying, giving Malcolm Turnbull really a ticking time bomb, saying to him, you've got until February the 1st to sort this matter out and to sit down with us and come up with a resolution. And if you can't do that, if you fail to engage with us and sit down and come up with an answer, then there is going to be a massive escalation of walk-offs across the country in March. And Helen, what can supporters, family members, parents, other workers and listeners out there do to support the early childhood educators in their struggle? Well, the first thing they should do is go to our Big Steps page and register as a supporter. So that's bigsteps.org.au. We've got a really active community supporter group, so please join and get involved. The second thing that they should do is if they have got young children in their family and they use long daycare or they've got friends of the family or other family members who use long daycare, talk to them about the problem and build a bit of community support. Most parents and most uh, people in the community, when they hear the story, are just horrified that people have such enormous responsibility and are paid so poorly. So let's build a bit of support out there in the community. Helen Gibbons, thanks for joining us on Stick Together. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of another week's show. Thanks to Helen Gibbons and all those amazing educators who spoke with us. Also, big thanks to all the early educators out there for the work that you do every day. If you'd like to support the campaign for equal pay, you can log on to www.bigsteps.org.au. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Shows like ours are only made possible by listeners like you. So call your local community radio station today, subscribe and do your bit to keep workers' stories on the air. You can contact the producers of the show by either emailing us at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or calling 03-9419-8377 and leaving us a message. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching Stick Together Program. The podcast of this episode and other recent shows can be found at www.3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. You can also find us on iTunes. Finally, remember, no matter where you are or what you do, there is a union for you. I've been Matt Kunkel. Until next time, stick together.